but yes, so thank you for having me. No, because <laughs> um, no, I read about you in Broadsheet, and then I just had so many questions after reading the article right. that I wanted to see you in person. Yeah. Um, so first of all, the concept of, do you say Navi or Navi? It's, it's Navi. It's Navi. Yeah, but I mean, it's pronounced Nawi. Okay, Nawi. In Cherokee, but okay. I didn't want to confuse people okay. too much. So yeah, it's from my, my dad's um, side of the family, both his, from both his sides of the family in like Cherokee involved. So okay. it's, not, it's not anything to do with Cherokee or anything, it was just the name. Yeah, yeah, nice. Because yeah. you did, it did say in um, in the article that it's um, you sort of married um, rigorous European technique, Eastern philosophy, and native or local produce. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. how do all those things come into play? Well, I'm I'm European trained. Yeah. Um, and I've I've travelled extensively, and my travel was my main influence really mm. um, I've spent you know trips to Japan uh, we, we spent uh, four months travelling around South America so my wife and I um, I've lived in Spain and you know, we went to Morocco and Southeast Asia and all that so um, I'm influenced by everything around me so yeah yeah um, the, the Japanese side of things I guess um their technique, but also just their their style of eating and dining. It's, uh, I've always wanted a small degustation restaurant. It's mm. been, I think, I, when I met my wife uh, fourteen years ago or something, it was, it was I'm going to open a restaurant for twenty people and just do degustation only. Yeah. That was my plan. It only took me that long to do it. <laughs> oh well, but yeah. it's incredible though, and I think it's a, um, you know, Melbourne's a such a food city as yeah. well so you've got to really get everything in place don't you before yeah. you launch something yeah so um yeah so i've been thinking about it a lot uh, yes. over the years and um we we moved to the peninsula and the idea that we'd do this in the country mm. and then after three years realized that it wasn't it no. wasn't the right spot right and we also missed the city so we came back yeah it's yeah. pretty good over here in Yarraville, yeah, isn't it yeah, it's a nice lovely. community yeah. yeah so you know when i when i lived in the city we lived in when I first moved to the city, it was Kensington, and I lived there for about 10 years okay. in North Melbourne, and then my last two years here was in Carlton North before we moved down to the peninsula. Okay. Yeah. I like this side better. Yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't just be locals, though, coming, would it? Because it's quite a specialised yeah, uh, thing, so it's, it's a destination restaurant. Yeah. Mm. So it started off our first couple of weeks. It seemed like the locals jumped on board very quickly, which is great. So we didn't... I think we... Since we've opened, we've only had six spare seats. So, wow. Yeah, it's, it's been great. And then recently, it's, we've noticed people come from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed too, you've got, so you've got um, Wednesday and Thursdays are $85, is it? For oh, it's choice of. Choice so, Okay. Oh, you can do that, all the 120 Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. okay. the, um, the eight course is about three hours. So right. Yeah. Not everyone wants to do that on a Wednesday night. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice idea, but I was thinking I was looking through your sample menu, and it's just yeah. each dish seems like it's very intricate, and yeah. there's a lot, a lot going on. Yeah, there is. You should create. Yeah, so there's um, there's three of us in the kitchen. Um, two young, like the girl that I work with, who's helping out mainly on pastry, and I guess it's not really lard or anything, but yeah, um, she did a whole apprenticeship with me. Um, 
until I let Karina. She did the last six months at uh, Taxi. Okay. So um, we know each other pretty well. I know how she knows how I work. And, so, mm. and then I've got a younger kid that's sort of like a junior sous chef um, who's come from Hellenic Republic who's keen as mustard. And yeah, we all work pretty well together. It's, it's a lot of work for, I mean, it's, it's about 13 courses. We call it eight course because people want a number. Yeah. Um, so there's, I mean, once you've, if you've, lots of plates that come out, I think it's 13. Right. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of work. It's, it's a real theatre of dining. Yeah. And we serve, we serve everyone. Um, oh, do you? Yeah. So, okay. I mean, not, we've got, I've got two out in front, um, one sommelier and one waitress. So it's um, too much for them to mm. do all of that and carry all the food. So yeah. we probably do about 70% of the food carrying and explaining. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's nice though. Nice yeah. to be in contact with the diners. Yeah. And, then... and, and that's what I want. I, you know, I've, um, I think I've like 20 odd years in this industry and been cooped up in a kitchen. And, and that's what I love about Japan. That's why I bring up Japan is because sitting there um, talking or working, uh, sorry, with the, with the chef right there, explaining everything to you, serving it on crockery that's just as important as the food serving mm. sake which is just as important as the crockery and the food and you know the cutlery you know, not the cutlery but the um, the chopsticks and the, everything's crafted and the person that made them has, there's as much respect for them as there is the doctor yeah. sitting in the bar you know what I mean nice. so, yeah. and I think that um, when people actually get to meet the chef that whole idea of barrier breaks down a bit you can actually see what they're trying to do rather than it just being a story told to you from a waitress that's exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. i know i agree that's why i like doing conversation with the chef because yeah. i like getting that backstory <laughs> um but going back to the crockery yeah. you've made all your own plates yes. is that right because yeah. you've got so a fine arts degree as yeah. well so i've got uh, i've got um i did all the centerpieces as well so all Things like this that are around. Wow. Um, yeah, so there's vases on all the tables that I made, and yes, the, the crockery. So, so have you got a studio at home, or do you? I've got just... I've got a pottery wheel at home. Yeah. But um, because of RMIT, I've got lots of friends and stuff in the industry that have been very helpful with firing and giving space and helping with glazing and stuff. So. So at what point did you do that? Did you do that first and then become a chef or how did... Yeah, so I, I, I'm young for my year level. So yeah. I graduated, I was still 17 and then went to university and graduated a fine arts degree at 19. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. or 20, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But um, so obviously you don't really know what you're doing. No. You, you, <laughs> it's just, it was just a party for me. But obviously <laughs> I did well at it, but I finished, finished with high honours of arts and it was drawing and ceramics but I cooked the whole time through wow, that okay. and cooking was sort of it, I loved it and it made sense like, I don't know, it seems weird to say but it just for people not to understand how to or to get overly excited about a braise or something it just seemed confusing straight away for me it's like it's so simple so easy to put whatever flavours you want because I I started at Maya at the marketplace restaurant, it was the third floor in the city. Okay. And I started on the roast bar. No, no cooking experience other than McDonald's. Three months at McDonald's, and 
I, you know, my first week was learning how to cook the roast, being told how to cook the roast, and then it was like, oh, I want to make a better gravy, so I would put different things with the meat, I get a better gravy, and it just, you know, by the end of the summer, I had old women lining up for my roast, and, you know, <laughs> awesome. yeah, so, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I just said, it just seemed to make sense to me, and then I took on, like, a sous chef role, and I, at, um, at a, just a pub in Kensington Hardiman's and then I spent my summers from here in the States snowboarding okay. and there was a there was like a rest, quite a nice restaurant up in Big Sky in Montana that I worked at over four years and I think my last time I worked there I was 21 and I was the head cook when I, you know of 25 crew wow you know, and I hadn't done anything so yeah as I said and I worked went over to um, Cape Cod and worked at this place called the Belfry Inn which had a Michelin star or it didn't then but it got one because they didn't have Michelin then but um, and I was a sous chef there so sort of bluffed my way into everything and but it just it worked and then I came back here got a head chef position at Blush Food Room did that for two years and then realised that I had to go work under someone that actually mentor me a bit more than yeah know, I was getting a bit yeah it's like hit the level I could without yeah learning properly so I went and worked with John Lepp who was um at the European okay yeah and he he'd come from Jacques Ramon's he was the head chef there when he got his first three hats and okay yeah so I stayed with him until we went to the middle Brighton bars two years with the middle Brighton bars yeah and then I went travelling for two years. Wow. Yeah. So, so was it under Paul um, at the Middle Brighton Bars? Um, who did I talk to? Paul Reynard. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he came after. He came after. Yeah. So I think he was there. Everything fell apart when he left. And then John came in and sort of built his crew to okay. build it up. And we... We were there for two years and we had the hat for the two years and then it went downhill again pretty quick mm. and we all left. Yeah. yeah. So, Gosh, well, yeah. Lots of places and, and yeah. lots of experience too, I think. So what do you think it was, um, the things that you filled in um, later, what were, what were the other things that stand out to you that were, it, was, it was important to build well, and grow in? Oh, I guess um, John Lett was very, very particular and very... He, he had a lot of Asian influences, but at the European, he was European, and it was just it was just learning more ingredients and stuff. Like I was doing well with what I did, with what I knew, but I couldn't. I didn't know. Like I, yeah, I started. Um, I don't know, it's, you know, just different, different, different cuts of meats, um, different working with squab and stuff like that. That you just never, you just sort of avoid because you don't know how to use it yeah. you're young and you're like oh I was going to do this yeah so it was more ingredients than anything and, yeah. and structure of the kitchen basically. okay yeah and is that what do you pass on to your um, you know, your apprentice and so on and the guy that's coming I try to I try to pass on excitement of, <laughs> of discovery because that's that, I, um, I'm not I'm organised I have to be over organised for myself because I'm not very organised so I, I'm, I'm a bit scattered with because I'm thinking of 
the next thing while I'm trying to produce the one thing. So it's, um, yeah, I'm always open for discovering a new thing. And once I, once I cook something and I played it and everyone's happy with it and the customers have passed on their feedback that they enjoy it, I don't want to cook it anymore. <laughs> I'm ready for the next thing. And that's, that's been my career a bit. I'm ready to do the next thing. I, get, I was at Paringa for six years, and I think there was one or two things I repeated. That's okay. it. Yeah. So where are these ideas coming from? Um, I read a lot. I just it's um, influences in life. Like yeah, yeah like you, yeah, I think about food nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> it drives my wife crazy. <laughs> I literally, you know, can go to bed thinking about oh, I want to do this dish and I've, I've sort of got an idea of what it looks like and slightly slightly what I want it to do but haven't haven't got all the parts linked and then I wake up in the morning and then it's like do this and this will work and you know so, wow. so it's just and that's I, yeah it's 24-7 unfortunately well, yeah, it's for, free. Yeah, no, it's good. I love it. I love it. But <laughs> good for the diners too. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they get to receive but, the um, benefit. <laughs> yeah, I think it drives my wife nuts when we're having a conversation. And then I say, "What about if we? What would you think if like, this went with this? Are you serious?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, um, yeah. So I dine out a lot. So. Um, and are you still surprised by food, by other people's food? Uh, yes, yes and no. Mm. Like I, I find dining out, I get excited. I think the most excited I've been with food was um, Noma in Australia. So I've, I've eaten at Noma um, in Copenhagen and I was a bit like, more <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. like I was expecting a little more um, to be blown away rather than just being obscure and um, I felt like Nova Australia was it just sort of nailed it okay and, and I think it might have been the, the fact that they were working with different ingredients that they yeah and native ingredients are pretty awesome so you know, I, I was aware of them before that but um, if you see them, see them cooked in Melbourne kitchens five years ago, it was all in chutneys and, mm. you know, so not, not really making good use of the flavours that we've got because Australian mm. flavours are amazing. Yeah, yeah, so you who are you getting those through, through that outback? Through, uh, no, not the outback, outback chef, no. No, I've got, um, there's, there's um, Outback Pride who are quite big. But, um, there's a couple of little growers in Victoria that, do stuff for me. I've got a um, friend's farm that backs down at Merricks, near Merricks, so I get a lot. They've got a little um, area there which is full of beautiful native produce that they give me rain to pick as much as I want. So um, I know the I know the peninsula very well, mm. all the berries and okay. and edibles down there from working with a guy called um, Lionel Louch, who's um, an Aboriginal guy that does these. Uh, living culture tours okay so we did a dinner together uh, i think it was three years ago um yeah cool and that's good yeah. yeah and i thought i knew a lot and, and it's like oh wow this is cool so um yeah but but leading up to that 
like the um, the Noma experience was it tasted like Australia mm. yeah rather than tasted like European styles of, mm. of somehow not knowing how to work with it. I mean when you've got a hundred chefs and a whole bunch of people to help work out what a, what a flavour can do it helps so that's kind of kind of good in research for Australian cuisine I think yeah. yeah so yeah nice thank you I think that's enough <laughs> that's enough <laughs> yeah I think so um, 